Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about performance reviews. Throughout our coaching, Terry had been asking for help managing Ken. She experienced him as defensive and emotional. Now she had to deliver his year-end review, an event she found awkward even with the easiest of her direct reports. She showed me the draft she'd written for Ken's review. There were two sections. The first section asked the boss and the employee to rank performance in six competencies on a scale, exceeds expectations, meets expectations, and so on. The second section asked for written comments from the boss and employee on both strengths and areas of development. In the first section, the ranking section, Terry had given Ken meets expectations in all six categories. Ken had done the same for himself except in one category, driving for results, where he'd ranked himself exceeds expectations. I started with that. This isn't a huge gap, Terry, but I'm sure he'll want to talk about it. How are you going to explain the disparity to him, I asked her. Well, he just doesn't get results, she told me. At least not on his own. He's always coming to me, asking me to solve his problems for him. Always, I asked. Surely not. Yeah, that's what it feels like, she said. I signaled time out with my hands. I smiled and said... Terry, when you give your reviews, I want you to be as clear-headed and calm as possible, especially when you're dealing with someone like Ken who might be swamped by his own emotions. Words like always and never are a red flag that you're assessing his performance emotionally, not factually. I went on to explain that always and its twin never are rarely accurate. Someone like Ken can argue with some validity that he doesn't always ask Terry to solve his problems, and he'd have a point. These semantic arguments allow the person to win a small victory while avoiding the bigger message. Lesson number one for Terry, be sure your assessments are based on facts, not feelings. By the way, just so you can listen effectively, in my conversation with Terry and in this podcast, there are six lessons. You just heard number one, Be sure your assessments are based on facts, not feelings. I'll recap all six lessons at the end of the podcast. So then Terry and I turned our attention back to the disparity between Terry's meets expectations ranking versus Ken's exceeds expectations. I said, I think it's important, Terry, that you're clearly able to explain to Ken the difference in your mind between meets expectations versus exceeds expectations. I talk about this often with managers, and I use a high school teacher of mine as an example. At one point, she assigned us a complex term paper that was going to take up most of our semester. To help us succeed, she showed us three sample papers. One had gotten an A, one a C, and one an F. She explained the differences and how she had graded each one. I feel managers should do this for their direct reports. How does exceeds expectations look different from meets expectations? And how does meets expectations look different from needs improvement? Terry said quietly, Wow, I have some serious homework to do. Terry's second lesson, Describe the behaviors 
that achieve each ranking, then apply those descriptors equally and consistently to everyone. We had arrived at the narrative section. She'd written quite a bit. I focused on two sentences. The first, in the strength section, was this. At the beginning of the year, Ken had real trouble treating his direct reports respectfully, but after several serious discussions, I noticed some improvement. The second sentence, under areas for development, was this. Ken needs to be a more effective leader of projects and teams. I said, I have one concern that's common to both these sentences, and then one way I think each sentence can improve. Can I start with my concern? She said yes. My concern about both these sentences is that they aren't very specific. If I were your direct report and I read those sentences, I wouldn't know specifically what I should keep doing or stop doing or start doing in order to get a better review next year. I wanted Terry to identify the respectful behaviors Ken had begun to display so that he could keep doing them. And I wanted her to identify what behaviors she thought would make him a more effective project leader and a more effective team leader. Terry's third lesson... Name specific behaviors that someone should start or stop or continue. Next, I tackled how she could improve each sentence. The first sentence had said this, At the beginning of the year, Ken had real trouble treating his direct reports respectfully, but after several serious discussions, I noticed some improvement. I applauded Terry for identifying that Ken had improved during the year, Recognizing development in a performance review is important, especially when it ties back to a previously discussed issue. However, I challenged Terry because, as written, her recognition of Ken's growth frankly felt more like criticism. This strengths section was designed to acknowledge what is going well. It's not an invitation to echo issues from the development section. I was concerned Terry's personal filters were clouding her perspective. More importantly, though, I wanted Terry to write a real acknowledgement of Ken's strengths as an employee. That's different from noting how he'd improved. I wasn't sure Terry was putting aside her upset with Ken to be able to articulate his strengths objectively. To me, strengths have three qualities. First, they're things that we do naturally without a lot of conscious effort. Second, they're things we do well. Third, They usually have a positive impact on people. Emphasizing and acknowledging your direct report's strengths is vitally important. When you identify strengths clearly, you get two benefits. First, their strengths become even stronger. What they're doing well gets even better. Second, they feel better about their work. Gallup Research says that when managers focus on the strengths of their direct reports, 99% of those workers report feeling engaged on the job. 99%, that's quite a payoff. So Terry's fourth lesson, identify strengths unequivocally, even with challenging direct reports. In the areas for development section, Terry had written this, Ken needs to be a more effective leader of projects and teams. I thought this sentence could improve by becoming two sentences. Whatever Terry wanted him to start doing to become an effective leader of projects is most likely quite different from what she wants him to start doing to be a good leader of teams. I find managers often write complex sentences in the development section 
because they're uncomfortable having a conversation about development at all. But lumping two or three separate ideas into one sentence is confusing and unhelpful for the employee. Terry's fifth lesson, write one specific issue per sentence. Before I talk about the sixth and final lesson, I want to say a quick thank you. Last month, I asked listeners to write positive reviews on this podcast's page in the iTunes store, and many of you did. Thank you so much. Once a year, I ask people to do this. A steady stream of positive reviews and rankings seems to help keep the podcast high in visibility so other people can find it. If you find these podcasts helpful, I'd be grateful if you'd post a review. It just takes a minute. Go to the podcast page in the iTunes store, scroll down until you see Write a Review, click there and put in your thoughts. If you do that, will you let me know? I'd like to give you my personal thanks. Okay, that's it for the little pledge drive until this time next year. Thanks again to all of you who made the effort to show your support. It is deeply appreciated. All right, back to talking about performance reviews. I had finally come to the question that I ask all managers at review time. For Terry, it sounded like this. Do you think Ken knows what you're going to tell him and how you're going to rank him? Yearly performance reviews came into being because so many managers never gave any feedback to their direct reports at all. Now, many workers only hear about their performance when a review is mandated. But really, how can workers improve their performance if they only get feedback once a year? To me, it would be like trying to increase your body strength by having one conversation with a trainer in the parking lot outside the gym, then going inside by yourself and trying to figure out a regiment. You might be successful, but, boy, it sure would be easier if your trainer would show you what to do and then check in with you now and then. Terry's sixth and final lesson, give feedback about both strengths and development in little dollops all year long. When you deliver a review to your direct reports, nothing you say should be new or surprising to them. So here's the recap on the six lessons for writing effective performance reviews. Lesson one, be sure your assessments are based on facts, not feelings. Lesson two, describe the behaviors that achieve each ranking. Then apply those descriptors equally and consistently to everyone. Lesson number three, in the narrative section, name specific behaviors that someone should start or stop or continue. Lesson four, identify strengths unequivocally, even with challenging direct reports. Lesson five, write about one specific issue per sentence. Lesson six, give feedback about strengths and development in little dollops all year long. When you deliver a review to your direct reports, nothing you say should be new or surprising to them. Over the years, I have written extensively about giving feedback and handling difficult conversations with direct reports. If you want to deliver meaningful performance reviews, I invite you to dig into this topic a little further. Implementing even a few of the ideas will help your year-end reviews have the look and sound of leadership. Five tips that you might find particularly helpful are delivering tough feedback, giving powerful feedback, handling defensive behaviors, 
holding people accountable, and managing bad behavior. Those podcasts and all our others can be found on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. That's essentialcom with two M's dot com. From our homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That will take you to an archive of all our podcasts. When you're there, you can search the archive by categories that interest you, and one of those categories is feedback. There are more than a dozen tips in that category to help you develop these critical skills. From the website, you can also download every tip as a PDF to save for yourself or forward to others. Our podcasts are also available through iTunes. Just search for The Look and Sound of Leadership. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.